Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to the show, Fifth Street Soccer, here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. I'm your host, Nick Eber, along with my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, finally, finally, finally! The European leagues are back in action this weekend. After an international break that, you know, between the Belgian game and the uh, the racism situation in in, in Sofia, Bulgaria, uh, directed towards the black English players. I mean, we've had our fill of controversy over the week, but it is good to be back with the big leagues. It is. And, and uh, the Eintracht Bayer Leverkusen match, a match I maybe typically would not have watched. I'll be honest with you, uh, Nick. I was clamoring for my iPad in my office uh, when I got the notification from Fox Sports that match was starting because it feels like, yes, there has been controversy, but it it feels like we've been without football for two weeks. So um, I watched that uh, Bundesliga match, and I'm ready for the Premier League this weekend, and uh, times are good once again. Yes, they are indeed. And um, it seems like every time... We have one of these international breaks. They just seem to get longer and longer. And I can't figure out why. I don't either, because apparently it's only two weeks long. But it feels like it's a month long, right? Yeah. And I I was going back in my memory trying to remember, when did Newcastle play Manchester United? Oh, that was the last match day. That was the last match. Right. But it seems like that was so long ago. And there there is also this... um, this situation where I think everybody now, you, you and I may have been in a minority uh, five to seven years ago when we complained about these international breaks, certainly a decade ago. Now I think we're in a majority where everybody kind of shuts down and gets on with their life and does other things and doesn't worry about football for 10 to 12 days. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Uh, yes, there were uh, England games and U.S. games and uh, Germany, Belgium, all this stuff. But we, uh, in general, we just, this is our time to catch up on the rest of life because uh, international football is so horrid outside of the major tournaments. It just is. It's dull. It's absolute dullsville. All right, well, look, uh, we have a couple of topics we want to talk about, and then, of course, we will get into our patented professional pundits prognostication of the Premier League. Uh, We'll do that in the second and third segments today. We're going to go eat down each and every Premier League match this weekend, the 10 of them, of course, and give you our predictions and uh, maybe discuss a little betting strategy if that's what you want to do. But it's not primarily a betting show, obviously. Uh, Anyway, stick with us. We're going to step aside, take a break, and we'll be right back after this. All right, welcome back to the show. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick Gieber, Kartik Krishna with you. By the way, find us on Twitter. We're at Fifth Street Sports. Uh, you can also find me personally there. I'm at Nick Gieber, and Kartik is at KKFLA737. All right, well, look, uh, you know, the Premier League season is back. We're going to get to the games uh, coming up this weekend. Of course, the uh, piece de la resistance is the uh, Manchester United-Liverpool match at Old Trafford. We're going to obviously break that one down for you as well. But there are a couple of stories percolating uh, that I think are uh, worthy of discussion, namely this issue in Spain where it seems that uh, Atletico Madrid and Villarreal both want to come play in Miami next month. Yeah, and this is uh, uh, quite bizarre that they're making this decision now. 
for a, what would be a 6th of December matchup. Um, the, uh, the president, Javier Tebas of, of La Liga, who's been pushing this idea of having game matches outside uh, of Spain, in the, uh, particularly in the U.S. market, said, and I quote, we hope this time we w can carry out a positive action for everyone, as other leagues like the NFL or NBA do when uh, they stage matches overseas. Now, this sounds like an American sports guy, but he is the president of La Liga because the NBA and NFL are not uh, governed by larger, uh, a larger uh, inter international entity with 207 national members like yeah. FIFA. Correct. So I don't. I hate this argument that whenever uh, American soccer people, MLS people, like to bring up the NFL as an example, I'm stunned the president of the La Liga would be citing the NFL. But I guess that's the only precedent they have, right, to do this? Yeah, it is uh, it is the only precedent they have. And look, I think it's very weak. I mean, that's why we have uh, confederations, and that's why we have sanctioned leagues, right. and that's why you have international boundaries, with the exception of Major League Soccer, which seems, uh, you know, and look, uh, we can harp on Major League Soccer all we want, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, there was no professional soccer in Canada at the A level, the Division One level. Uh, that was... That was well, Correct. funded enough and meaningful enough at the time. Yeah. So it, it was a logical expansion. It's an exception, actually, because, yeah. in fact, now what we've seen CONCACAF do is they're pushing all the Canadian teams that are in U.S. leagues below MLS. They're pushing them to leave those U.S. leagues. Right, correct. You know. and, and they tried to set a precedent with Ottawa. They did it with Edmonton. They're trying to push those teams into domestic Canadian leagues. And people tell me it's only a matter of time before it happens with the Canadian MLS teams. I don't know. But uh, that's not actually a, a relevant example anymore because CONCACAF and FIFA have actively spent the last few years pushing the Canadian teams. And those of you who don't follow American domestic soccer, they, we've had a number of Canadian teams in the second, third, and fourth divisions in this country that now have been pushed out of, the Amer uh, out of those American leagues into um, Canadian leagues. And that's... Uh, that, 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 that's a pretty significant development. So this goes counter to all of that, the idea of La Liga yeah, having right. a regular season. Let me rem remind people, it's not a friendly. This is a scheduled match, which is to take place in Villarreal on December the 6th uh, against Atleti, which is a big draw for them, obviously, for their home fans, to play Atletico Madrid, one of the top 10 clubs in Europe. Uh, they want to move this match to Miami. Uh, Atleti has a massive fan base here in South Florida. I know that. And they're realizing they can probably sell out a stadium here. Uh, for a regular season match with Atletico Madrid. Yeah, but, but what about all the fans in Madrid that this is their team? Right. I mean, this is their team. Right. right. Well, what about yeah, the season right. ticket holders? I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, look, I think it's a bad idea. Um, I, I think uh, it's not the same as we're talking about MLS teams playing across the border. Uh, look, as critical as I've been of MLS, uh, I think that was a great move for, the, for Major League Soccer and for Canadian soccer. And I think we're now seeing... Uh, the development of uh, top-tier Canadian soccer. But guess what? Uh, we don't need to develop top-tier soccer in Spain. It, it exists there already. So, right. <laughs> you know, so I, I look, I think it's a rotten idea. I think it's unfair. I think, think it sets a very bad precedent. Uh, if you remember, they were going to add a 39th game in the Premier League and play it in the United States, and that got shot down very quickly. Um, I think it's a bad it's precedent. It's the latest attempt at that, though. Oh, sorry, Nick, to cut you off. I, I, this is this is the same thing as that thirty-ninth game. No, same it's not. Thing. It's not. It's not an extra game. It's one of the existing games. Oh, right, on... right. This is a match you're taking away from Villarreal. You're right. So this is even worse. They're taking a home match away from the fans there. Yeah, right. To play it here to generate more revenue. Right. I mean, you know, 
I mean, maybe these days uh, teams like uh, Tottenham don't want to play at home because their fans are so dis- disgruntled. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's, it's, it's very unfair for the home fans, the people that have been following the team. It's their team. Again, you know, most of these clubs have come up over the years as the uh, natural organic, gro- uh, organic growth of neighborhood athletic clubs uh, that have served their neighborhoods and communities. And that's how most soccer teams have come into existence in, in Europe and Central and South America over the years. Uh, but, you know, I think this is uh, a development that I personally am not in favor of. And, um, uh, you know, I don't think MLS is in favor of this either, by the way. I don't think they're, no, no, they're against. I mean, yeah. you know, if and again, I, I've been look, I, I, I'm MLS's biggest critic to 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 be you know put it out there and to not mince words here. But I'd much rather see, you know, Atletico or Villarreal come out here and play you know, an MLS all-star game, as boring and stupid and meaningless as those are, uh, you know, if you, want to, if you want to expand the brand to American soccer fans. But, you know, this, this no, I, I, don't, I don't approve of this. I don't like this. Let's move on, Kartik. Uh, another story, uh, the Belgium uh, FA, we've been talking about this. Uh, Bel- Belgium, excuse me. Uh, the Bulgarian <laughs> FA, as you know, uh, we were talking about this issue of the Bulgarian fans and their Nazi salutes in Sofia, uh, the monkey chance to English players. Uh, the coach has now left. I understand two executives from the Belgian FA, uh, a national team have left as well. I'm not sure if they've been helped out because of their rather uh, tone-deaf responses to this or they resigned out of dismay at the fact that this is going on. Do you have any insight into that? You know what that's about? I think there's been a lot of uh, political pressure on the Bulgarian FA to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to, to push these guys out. Um, Political pressure, meaning uh, pressure from the EU, UEFA, and uh, the UK, including Prime Minister Boris Johnson, including some leading officials in the EU, pushing Bulgaria to to deal with this uh, on a political level, on a governmental level. The government pushing the Bulgarian FA to make these changes, uh, but it seems like those in football in Bulgaria don't seem to understand what the political class in, in that country uh, get, that this is very bad for the image of the country and, and their relationship with the rest of uh, continental Europe. The football side in Bulgaria seems to think this is perfectly normal to behavior, trying to get a psychological advantage in a football match. So that is um, what we call a jo- jockocracy, or what Howard Corselli used to yeah, call right. a jockocracy. These guys that don't know anything uh, and are just completely tone-deaf to... to uh, societal reality. It's well, embarrassing. Yeah, it is embarrassing. Of course, that we, we did cover that story earlier on in the week, and we did talk about the U.S. national team and their disastrous uh, match against uh, uh, Canada. And some of the uh, really crazy responses that we're getting. Kartik, we just got a couple of minutes left. You know, I, I just wonder, American soccer fans, and not all of them, clearly, but many of them, particularly the Major League Soccer apologists, really are, you know, act like they've got a real chip on their shoulder about something. And, and, and I think it, it must be hard for them to follow a league or a national team that isn't, you know, wildly successful. And, and you know, and I think they're going to have to come to terms with the fact that most football fans around the world follow teams and national teams that are not wildly successful. So if you're an MLS fan, embrace your MLS club, Right. 
and, 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 and focus on that. If you're a fan of a USL team, embrace your USL club. I, I don't know why the culture in the U.S. is so based around the national team. I mean, I got it at one time. That was all we had. But we're now 20-some years into the club game being built in this country. I don't – I actually got asked this question. I know we have, we have to get out of the segment in a second, Nick. But I got asked this question by someone who worked for the Bundesliga when I went to cover a match between Bayer Leverkusen and uh, Schalke at uh, the Bay Arena five years ago. Why? And they had just won the World Cup, Germany. Why are Americans so into the national team? Why, is it, why do they treat the national team like it's a club team in the United States? I got asked that question by someone who worked for the Bundesliga. That's because it's even in Germany, who, would, who were the reigning world champions at that point, it's an abnormal reaction. Those people are all club fans first. They come together over the summer to root for Germany, but they root for their clubs first and foremost. All right, well, it's a discussion we're going to continue, uh, but not today. We'll pick that up another day because we have to go to break, and when we come back, let's talk Premier League football. Don't go anywhere. All right. Welcome back to the show. Fifth Street Soccer, Nick and Kartik with you here on this uh, wonderful Friday as we break down all the Premier League matches we get to look forward to this weekend. And there are some nice ones, uh, including uh, some pretty interesting ones. I mean, Everton-West Ham, I consider that to be a very interesting game because, uh, well, we're going to talk about that, but it's an interesting game, trust me. Uh, Man United-Liverpool, obviously, at Old Trafford is a huge match, and I think a lot of implications there. We can talk about Bournemouth-Norwich, another interesting match. Uh, we've got uh, Aston Villa, Brighton. I'm looking forward to that. But why don't we start, Kartik, with Everton, West Ham, or Goodison. And I just want to set this match up by saying, for me personally, the shock of the season has to be seeing Everton in the relegation zone. They're 2-1-5 and five on the season. It's just massive underperformance from a team that finished in the, in the top 10 last season. Uh, but it's really the four straight losses which culminated in the away loss to Burnley. Uh, that's really done the damage, I think, for Everton. On the West Ham side, I think Kartik, they've looked really excellent at times this season. Their only losses, have, uh, I think, was what? Man City, the first game of the season, and uh, they lost last week. Uh, surprise loss, actually. To Palace. Yeah, to yeah. Palace. Um, Manuel Pellegrini, and look, Pellegrini's side, sides, that they're always tough to beat. He's a great man. I love him. He's a really, really under... Uh, uh, he's an underappreciated manager in the Premier League because he is really a world-class manager. His t- sides are always tough to, tough to beat. But, you know, the pressure on Marco Silva on this one, Kartik, has got to be absolutely enormous. And that's why, for me personally, I actually think Everton are going to pull out a 2-1 home win on here. But you tell me your thoughts about this. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think they, they have to win this match. Just bad timing for Pellegrini and West Ham to go to Goodison. Uh, and and, uh, try and get a result, although West Ham have played some brilliant football this season. Everton have been chopping and changing constantly. Marco Silva doesn't know his best 11. Uh, He's constantly messing with the team. Uh, He has not really integrated Alex Iwobi and Moise Keane, two big signings for them, uh, the way that I think a lot of Everton fans would like to see. I'm surprised he's still employed at this point. I think he has these four matches before the November international break to turn it around or he is gone. Uh, I will say 2-1 also to Everton. Yeah, okay. And uh, let me just check the odds on that because I promised uh, we'd talk a little odds. Uh, in fact, great value there right now. Everton are plus 106. Uh, West Ham plus 254. The draws plus 288. I like plus 106 for Everton. Uh, the total goals on this one, Kartik, are two and a half. I think 2-1 we have to take the over 
on this one. So uh, let's put that one aside. Uh, let's move along. Aston Villa, Brighton. Uh, that is the game, right? At Villa Park. Aston Villa, Brighton. Yes, it is. Um, well, let's see. Uh, they both won the last matches before the break, if I'm not mistaken. I think Brighton beat Spurs and, oh yeah, Villa absolutely creamed Norwich, if you remember that one. And we're going to get to Norwich. Yeah. We could do two shows uh, straight on Norwich's issues. Um, but I like, you know, Dean Smith and Graham, uh, and Graham Potter, I think they're, they're getting the hang of it. I don't really know what else to say. I mean, they're getting the hang of the Premier League. They're getting the hang of, uh, of what they have to do. And um, I think it'll be a good one. So for me... Um, you know, I, I have to think that maybe uh, the fact that it's at Villa Park, Kartik, is going to make a difference here. Um, you know, they've been they've been decent at home. It's hard for me to say, but I, I tell you what, I, I'm going to say on this one uh, a Villa win, one nil. How do you see this one? Yeah, I'm going to say Villa wins two nil. I think what we saw last year in the championship is Dean Smith. It took him a little while to get going. He got named the manager. Uh, I remember talking to Kev Egan. Uh, obviously, of, uh, of formerly of BN, now uh, Atlanta United, and, and does some stuff for Turner. Or it's the Champions League. He's a big Villa fan. I remember talking to him at Soccer X in early in mid November about Villa and Dean Smith, and uh, he had just taken over from Steve. Uh, Egan liked what he saw, but they weren't getting results at that point. Then they went on a tear. So yeah. they got better throughout that championship season as Dean Smith got his feet wet in that division. Uh, he had managed Brentford previously, but uh, in that division, but had you know, also clubbed from Walsall in, in, in the, the lower division, same same area, right? Close to Villa, yeah, yeah. close to Birmingham. But um, I think he's getting his feet wet now in the Premier League. I, Wesley, a uh, player that uh, they, they bought from Belgium, uh, from Belgian team from for an enormous amount of money, now beginning to score goals in the Premier League. Douglas Luiz, who we know is a talented player uh, that came through Manchester City system that never got a chance with the first team at City. But uh, uh, Villa paid a lot for it. He's now looking really good. And then you've got Grealish and McGinn and, and the midfielders that did well in the championship now feeling their Premier League. I, I like this Villa team. Tyrone Mings also. I do like the Villa team, yeah. I'm going Villa 2-0, and I think Villa is going to – this is the fearless prediction, the, pat, the prediction right here. Villa's going to pull up the table. I do not think they are going to be – threatened with relegation eventually i know they're down there now i know they were they've been in the drop zone the entire season i think they will be i don't want to say mid-table but i think they'll finish 12th or 13th by year's well, end i think they're, they're going to get it going for villa yeah i mean look uh, i i agree and they did make they did spend a copious amount of money over the uh, over the summer prior to their uh, prior to their arrival in the in the re arrival in the Premier League, uh, but you know the one thing about Brighton, I mean, I say I think Villa's going to win, and I do because I think the Villa Park factor is going to play in here. But you know, Brighton have really, even though they're they've only one win in the last five, they do only have two losses. But those losses came to City and Chelsea. They have a win. Was it against Spurs? Uh, no, they have a draw. Uh, you know what did they have? Let's see. They have uh, uh, they drew West Ham. Um, no, pardon me. Excuse me. They, yeah, they beat Tottenham two nil last week. That was what I thought. Correct, they beat, correct, yeah, correct. they beat, they beat Tottenham two nil. Uh, they lost to Chelsea. They lost to City. Um, Brighton just not a bad team. I don't think either of these teams are going to be in the drop zone. Look, as long as you have got Norwich and Watford currently playing in the Premier League, uh, you know, I think there's only going to be one one musical chair, one chair to sit on when the music stops, uh, unless they're going to pull it out radically. I mean. Watford still without a win. The only thing I would say about uh, excuse me about Brighton is uh, they're not scoring many goals, Carty. They've only scored ten goals a season, and they shipped eight. So you know, 
that would worry me. But I think for most of the promoted teams, uh, goals can be uh, challenging at times unless you've got someone like Timu Puki. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. Or, or you play a very attacking style like Timu Puki's team like Norwich. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, yeah, Norwich have 21 yeah. goals, but, you know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're pretty pathetic. Pardon me, 10 goals. I believe they've conceded uh, tw- 21. 21. Yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, well, we're going to get to that anyway. So we're, we're in agreement. Aston Villa win. We've got uh, plenty of time to get to the next one. Why don't we do that? It's Bournemouth, Norwich at the Vitality. Um, Bournemouth sitting in 10th place. They're going to obviously host Norwich. Um, they picked up seven points to their last four, including a 3-1 home win against Everton. Hey, how about that one? Uh, Norwich, you know, we talked about Norwich quite a lot, Kartik. I mean, they made a decision not to do the Aston Villa and to get rid of yeah. their squad and to buy in a whole new one. I think, you know, you and I have talked about it. Daniel Farker, you know, he, he's a loyal guy and he's got a style of football that he likes to play and that he likes to see from his squad. And I think he was happy with what he had. But I think in hindsight, um, that's probably a mistake. I mean, we mentioned earlier they've conceded 21 goals. They've shipped more goals than uh, – shipped, I said – more goals than any other team in the Premier League this season. Uh, both these teams like to play open football. Um and again, you're going to see two of the Premier League's top scorers, what, Callum Chambers and, uh, and Timu Puki. So I like this one. I think the Cherry's going to win it, though. 3-1 for me, and I think they are at plus 107 right now. Yeah, uh, obviously Callum Wilson and Josh King lead the line. Uh, they still don't have Ryan Fraser clicking on all cylinders. Uh, I'm talking about Bournemouth. They still don't have David Brooks back from injury. This is going to be a very dangerous team as the season wears on. I think they win this match. Uh, three or four to one. I think they're going to score a bunch of goals. Oh, yeah. Well, I said three one. Uh, the total goals are three and a half. So you want to take the over uh, on that Correct. one. We, we got a minute, minute and a half left. You want to touch on the next one? Yeah, let's go. All right. I think uh, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah, let's see. The next one here is um, looking down the list here. Excuse me. Got to get my Chelsea paper. Newcastle United. Uh, Chelsea Newcastle. Well, actually, yeah, it is straightforward, but it's actually going to be a really, really fun match. Um, both these teams are sort of in a place I don't think they ever thought they would be, at least not recently. Uh, Chelsea, uh, you know, the team that didn't sign anyone, that can't sign anybody, are on a bit of a blind. I think they're playing great football. Uh, Frank Lampard has that young squad uh, really believing in itself and, and, and having fun every time they take the pitch, really, uh, is what it seems like to me. And on the other side of it, um, you know, Newcastle. Uh, you know, what can one say about Newcastle? Uh, they, their victory over Man United given them a lot of momentum if they'd lost that game you know we'd be talking about them in the relegation zone so take your pick um i think you know steve bruce got a bit of a a bit of a reprieve there and wasn't it great to see the uh the younger kid the long staff kid score the goal uh that was uh awesome i, I really enjoyed yeah, that homegrown kid yeah yeah um Ch- chelsea will win this match though and they will score Agreed. i think yeah. a bunch of goals yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, they they're really looking good going forward. Uh, Newcastle doesn't need anything from this match. Just a wonderful thing about the job Steve Bruce is doing. Uh, make St James a bit of a fortress. Make it tough to play against them at home, and then take your chances when you go away from home. And they they picked up three points at Spurs playing that way. I do think Chelsea tear them apart, and Chelsea win this match. And Chelsea, to me, are going to finish in the top four in spite yeah. of being in under a transfer ban. Well, I agree, Kartik, and I'm really enjoying watching them. And I know, look, we talk about Christian Pulisic, and, and you know, I posted something on Twitter to speak of talking about Christian Pulisic uh, here for a second. Uh, you know, when he was uh, substituted in the U.S. game, the kid cried on the bench, okay? Yeah. And, and I want everybody to understand this is a young man 
who has talent, there's no doubt, but he is a young man. And he is, you know, he's in a competitive uh, Premier League club. He has to fight for any sort of playing time there. And, um, you know, the pressure that the U.S. national team fans and the U.S. media are putting up on this kid, they're going to do a Freddie Adu, Kartik. You've got 30 seconds. But, I mean, that's how I see it. No, that's already happening, and it's not the first guy that's happened to uh, American player Santino Coranta. It happened to Bobby Convy. It happened to uh, etc. They, they 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 hit a wall because there's so much expectation and such a burden of expectation put on them by uh, by American football fans and football media that, quite frankly, uh, don't know any better. They got to yep. stop it. They got to just let the kid play. Yep. Just let him play through this. Let him develop because he is very young. Yeah. Was he 21 years old? Uh, you know, I admire him for wanting to achieve that high level. You know, I admire him for having the balls to do it, to, to not to put too fine a point on it. Other players with that sort of skill didn't like Landon Donovan. But look, we got to go to break. Uh, let's do that. When we come back, we'll pick up our Premier League preview right here on Fifth Street Soccer. All right, uh, welcome back uh, here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211 Dan Patrick Stores. By the way, I'd like to welcome in all of our men and women in uniform around the world who are listening on the American Forces uh, Network. We love chatting with you as we do uh, every weeknight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. By the way, I'd also like to say hello to my girlfriend, Kerry, because I know she's listening, and I like to give her a mention because uh, it earns me brownie points, and uh, you know what happens when you get brownie points. We'll just we'll just leave it right there. All right, Um Oh, Kartik, you can say hi to your wife, too. You probably need to earn some brownie points. Yeah, so let me do that right now. I'm trying to earn some brownie points. There, <laughs> there we go. All right. You get a brownie point. All right. Uh, <laughs> Lester Burnley, uh, that's up next on our Premier League uh, preview. I am a bit in love with Leicester City, I have to tell you. Uh, uh, Brendan Rodgers, you know, new teeth, new wife, new club since leaving Liverpool. And... Um, Really showing, interestingly enough, you know, why he got the chance at Liverpool. I mean, let, let's just be honest. Well, well, he was at Swansea before, right? Yep. Yeah, he was at Swansea. I mean, they had, you know, they had a good season. He showed some really good things, and he gets a job at Liverpool. You know, he was supposedly a, a visionary and a man-manager. All the things, by the way, that he is proving to be now, it might have been just a bit too early for him to take over, to take the reins at Anfield in terms of his man-management, his ability to, to manage in a sort of massive club like that. But he is doing a, an absolutely remarkable job at Leicester City. Kudos to my friend John Barr. A friend of the show has been on the show many times at Finley Toyota. Uh, John actually put a bet earlier on in the season Leicester would finish top four. We're only eight matches in, obviously, and they are top four right now. But it's the football that they're playing. I mean, they were unlucky not to get a point at Anfield uh, before the before the international break. Let's be fair; it was a re- it was a fair penalty, but you know they played their socks off and 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 made it very very difficult for Liverpool. But they have had some cracking results. You know, 5-0 against Newcastle, beating Tottenham 2-1, uh, beating Bournemouth 3-1. Bournemouth, you know, this is a team that can play real football. I mean, you know, this isn't a – this is not a patsy team. I was surprised they lost to United. But, listen, I, I love Leicester City. I, I can't say enough about this club. Yeah, we, I think, Kartik, you mentioned they're the youngest team in the Premier League, right? Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean – and And they've got – the core of their team outside of Johnny Evans and, and, and Jamie Vardy is really young. 
Right. And they're playing Burnley. Now, Burnley have had some cracking results, uh, let's be honest. Uh, they got 12 points. They're sitting in seventh place. The only thing I will say about Burnley is their last four or five matches have not been against the toughest of opposition. And they are going to be running up against a, uh, a Leicester City team uh, that I think has belief. And I think they're too young to be scared of anybody or too young to be scared of the fact that they're in, you know, currently sitting in the top four. They're not going to get nerves. They're just going to play football. I have to like Leicester for this one. Um, it'll be tough for them to break Burnley down. But, you know, I think they have the, I think they have the, the, the tools to do it. Yeah, it'll probably be, be a 1-0 where they get a winner. Uh, late on, but uh, I, I do think that's the case. Sean Dyche has made Burnley very difficult to play against. Once again, no 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 relegation worries for them. What a great club, you know, a great English club with, with the core of their players all being players who've come through the domestic system. So, uh, lo- lo- love Burnley, love what they're doing, but I think this is not going to be a match they win. No, I don't either, and I, I know you appreciate Leicester City as well. Uh, you know, we, everyone talks about the Premier League. Oh, it's Man City and uh, but it's it's funny people people say this right oh it's all man city and it's manchester united all the time and it's or it's chelsea all the time or it's arsenal winning all the time you know the fact that you can say that many teams that quote unquote win all the time should let you know that it's really not one team that dominates the era of 20 titles a la man united i think far behind us i think there's much too much super high level parity super high level i mean the city, the cities, and the Liverpools, and then you know you got the Chelseas will reinvest, and then the Spurs will reinvest, and and at the end of the day, you're going to have this sort of cadre of of of, of the, the cream will rise to the top, and that cream might well include clubs like Leicester City, quite frankly, West Ham United. It could, but I, I mean, yeah, it could, but but I think there's there's just still some some difficulties those clubs have holding their players long term. And, uh, and and when you bring in so many young players through your system, you inevitably lose them to those other clubs. That that That's the concern for a Leicester. But uh, maybe they can keep some of these guys for a longer period of time than we expect. Well, we will find out. So you and I both predict a Leicester win. Tottenham, Watford and, uh, is the next match at the uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where they are not playing NFL football um, this particular day. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Premier League football. Um uh, Kartik, I don't think this match could have come at a better time for Tottenham, who have, as we know, struggled on the season with only three wins. Uh, they have oh, they have shipped 12 goals already, and they've only scored 14. And to put that into perspective, City have scored 27, okay? I mean, it just – we know it's not right at Spurs, Kartik. We know it's not right at Spurs. Uh, they lost 3-0 away at Brighton. They beat Southampton only 2-1. They lost away at Leicester. They beat Crystal Palace, but okay, whatever. And of course, the, the, that 2-2 against Arsenal, where they, where they just threw it away. And then the, the European follies in, in, in the Champions League. And, and this team's an unmitigated disaster. The pressure that at, uh, Pochettino's under is enormous. Uh, we know we've talked about potential problems in the locker room. But a match against Watford, who have scored four goals on the season, Kartik, and shipped 20. I'll repeat that. They've scored four goals on the season, and they've shipped 20. This couldn't come at a better time for Tottenham. I suppose so, but this is a fixture that gave them all kinds of trouble last year, and Watford might be thinking the same thing. They can't get a result 
anywhere. They can't get three points. Maybe this is the best time to play Spurs. Uh, so I, I do think Spurs will win ultimately, but but don't don't underestimate the fact that Watford is going to think this this is coming the perfect time for them. Oh, I think so too. And you know the the thing about this one is though, I think what Watford are going to think we have we need to get the three points right here. And yeah. you know Spurs might be a wounded beast, so maybe they're going to be inclined to throw themselves at the at the fray. And, and unfortunately, if they do that, I mean I think it's bad news for them. Between the lights of Son and Harry Kane, and you know, I, I think I think Spurs have the the firepower to make it hurt if they can put it together. I, I suspect they will. Yeah. I disagree with you. I think this will be uh, a bit of a shellacking. I'm I'm going to guess three nil on this one. Yeah, that sounds about right. It might be three or four nil uh, for Spurs. So I'll say the same thing. You know, you I'll change a lot. You change. I've noticed that, Carter. No, 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 no. I was just. I'm not trying to make a prediction. I'm trying to analyze the game, and I'm. I was saying that Watford will view this as an opportunity based on Spurs' recent form. Um, I wasn't saying that they take that opportunity. Right. I was saying that they view this as an opportunity. But if they go at Spurs defensively, they're a shambles. Spurs will cut them to pieces. Yeah, yeah, uh, and they're going to have to go after Spurs. I mean, I also don't think it's in Watford's nature to put up a great wall of China and have people try to penetrate it. No, I, I know Kiki Sanchez-Flores, That's he's been brought in to do that. Yeah. But again, I agree with you. I don't think he'll be able to. I think it's just, it is what it is. He can't do anything until the January window to fix that. Yeah, well, uh, we're both predicting exactly the same. All right, let's move along. Uh, Molyneux, Wolves will host Southampton. And I am very happy to say... Uh, it gives me great pleasure, and I know it doesn't give you great pleasure, but it gives me great pleasure uh, to say that Wolverhampton Wanderers uh, have taken seven points off their last three games, uh, which three of them were against Man City. But, you know, they are starting to <coughs> find their feet a bit in Europe, Kartik, and I think that they're yeah. also finding their confidence back in the Premier League. Uh, we know Wolverhampton Wanderers are a good club, well-run, well-managed, good players. Uh, we saw them last season be the best of the rest for large portions of the season. And it is good to see yeah. them back. Uh, this is a great uh, opportunity for them, again, against a Southampton side uh, who are truly str- struggling, lost three in a row, uh, lost to Chelsea, lost to Tottenham, uh, lost to Bournemouth, uh, drew Man United. They did, beat, uh, they did beat Sheffield, but you know I'm not quite sure what that means. Uh, another great timing here to host Southampton at the Molyneux. Uh, I, I like I like Wolves for this one, and again I'm going to like the Wolves to this one uh, to the tune of two uh, one or three one. Yeah, I think Wolves win this pretty easily. I'm going to say two nil, uh, and uh, they are now looking like they they figured out how to balance their team and manage Europe. I, I love the substitution late in the Manchester City game, pushing Traore further forward, bringing Matt Doherty on. Uh, giving them some defensive solidity uh, to allow them to then use that defensive solidity to stimulate the counter. I thought that was very, very good tactical uh, now from uh, from Nuno Espirito Santos. Uh, I think they win this match. Uh, Southampton, we have to begin to talk about Southampton uh, pretty quickly here. You know, I think Hassan Hutel has done a good job. Yeah. Well, obviously did a good job. They didn't get relegated last season. He came in and he kept them up, but... Uh, I think that they, now that they don't have players coming through their system the way they did, and Les Reed has been uh, sacked as a director of football, and we've got all kinds of um, uh, other other kind of issues with that club. Uh, I don't know. This might be it. They might go down this year. They might be that third team uh, that goes down. You talk all about right. two teams you think will get relegated already. So they might be that third team. 
Well, Carter, you know, we only have, what, three minutes left, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, and we've got to get to, to some, some matches. So let's talk about Liverpool, shall we, hosting, uh, going to Old Trafford, play Man United. And, um, you know, the only thing I can say here is this will be 18 in a row for Liverpool. They'll set a new record if they, if they do, in fact, win it. And, you know, you have to think that Man United, this is one of football's biggest rivalries, uh, you know, they'd love nothing more than to break that record for Liverpool. But, but quite honestly, this couldn't come at a worse time for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to do that. His team's really struggling. They're crap. Uh, it's not even that they're defensively horrible. Pogba's they're, they're, hurt. They're, Pogba's hurt. De Gea's hurt. They can't De score goals. Out, yeah. I know Martial yeah. may be back. But, you know, uh, Liverpool, look, they're just, they're just getting it done and winning. And, by the way, uh, the odds aren't that huge for Liverpool win. They're only minus 103. But they are going to get it. And I'm going to say it's 2-0. Yeah, they'll get it. Yeah, you think so, yeah, I'd say it's probably three one, a three one win. Maybe Marshall oh, really? does get the uh, yeah ah. the goal, but uh, I think I think they're going to score three. They might score four times, and this will be so. Remember the two thousand nine match, although United won the title that year. Remember when Torres went crazy? Oh, sure. At Old Trafford, four one match. I think this will be similar. I, I think they'll just. I think they're going to kill him. Well, we shall see. Uh, we're both predicting a Liverpool win there. We did jump over Crystal Palace uh, versus Man City. Uh, look, I, I keep saying this, but at some point I'm going to be seen right. Man City are going to rebound off their loss. Uh, they're a quality side. They may be getting a little bit old, Kartik. Um, but I don't see any problems here. Uh, Crystal Palace, um, uh, what, 4-1, four, 5-1? Four, that could happen, but I'm not sure Pep Guardiola is going to make it through the season. He's He's sounding off more on things. I think he may be losing some of his patience with his players. Uh, so I, I think there are probably deeper problems at Manchester City. Uh, yeah, they'll win this match, but I'm not sure um, I'm not sure going long, uh, down the road how, how, how long he's going to be around. Yeah, uh, that I'm certainly not sure of either. That'll be another topic that we can discuss during the week. We've got one minute left, Kartik. Uh, Sheffield United, Arsenal. Uh, and again, talk about playing teams at the wrong time. Uh, poor old Sheffield United. They're, they're going to face an Arsenal team hasn't lost in the last five. And quite honestly, it's just looking better and better with each match that goes on. Yeah, they played so well against Liverpool, though, and they had the goalkeeper error that cost them that match. Uh, this is bad timing. Uh, maybe they get lucky because they're coming off an international break at Arsenal. It's got a lot of players returning. But yeah, it's probably going to be, I'll say, a 1-0 for Arsenal. They're going to be tight at the back. Yeah. Sheffield United, but Arsenal will get a goal at some point. Yeah, I agree. All right, those are our Premier League predictions. I uh, hope you got them all and had an opportunity to uh, take some of our predictions and maybe make a small wager with them. Obviously, gamble responsibly, people. We're not telling you to be silly. Uh, we're going to take a – that's for Kartik and I to do. Uh, we're going to take a break. Yeah. We'll be back to wrap it up here on Fifth Street Soccer. All right. Well, that song is uh, no fun from the Stooges, uh, obviously Iggy Pop's uh, groundbreaking band. But you know what? It's going to be a lot of fun this weekend, right, Kartik? Because the Premier League is back. It is going to be a lot of fun this weekend. Although, uh, speaking of Iggy Pop, there's a really interesting article about him. He lives here in my neck of the woods in South Florida uh, in the New Yorker a couple of weeks ago. So if you've subscribed to the New Yorker and you want to go back to the back issues, great article about him and, and just his lifestyle and what he's doing now. Uh, and his uh, and his history, but yeah, great to have uh, European football. I mean, European club football back, right? Not European international football. These international breaks are too long. 
watched me some Bundesliga today. Going to be watching a lot of Premier League this weekend. Maybe some uh, Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A as well, some championship. Uh, it's just great to have football back, and it's it's fantastic that coming off of an international break, we do get a matchup, Nick, like Manchester United, Liverpool. I know I said I thought Liverpool would kill them in the last segment. I do believe that. But it's still such an occasion at Old Trafford because the the crowd, the intensity of the supporters, there's nothing like that particular derby. Yeah, there's nothing like that derby, uh, Kartik. It is is one of the great derby matches in world football, one of the great rivalries in sport in general. Um, and again, you know, the record would be 18 straight Premier League wins, which would be a record for any team in the Premier League, which would be set by Liverpool with this victory. So as as beat up, as damaged as United are, if they could stop Liverpool from getting that, that would be an enormous gift to their fans and would maybe, um, you know, maybe make Allegri unpack his bags. I don't know. All right. Well, that's going to just about wrap up our show. Uh, just a reminder to everybody that uh, we are here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and Sirius XM 211, Dan Patrick Sports. We're here every Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. We do hope you'll make us a regular part of your week. In the meantime, we're going to go enjoy the weekend, enjoy the football, and be sure to tune back in with us Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. We'll speak to you Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.